What's up, everybody? My name is James D. Fiore, and this is Blackball. To make your dream come true, you have to have a dream in the first place. That is the opening line to the documentary featuring my guest today. I had Eric Alper on the show not too long ago. He was a music public relations guy. He's been around for a long time. His family owns Grossman's Tavern on Spadina. And we talked about uh, we talked a lot about nostalgia music, and what happens when a band comes out at a certain time in your life and becomes sort of the soundtrack of your life. And even if it isn't the music itself that makes you want to uh, to remember this band and and use the band as sort of as a launch pad to remember the good times that you had whenever it was the soundtrack of your life. It's really important to people that they are able to sort of um, get. Like you know, thrust themselves back to that place, to the cottage or to your childhood home, first date you had. But what happens when the soundtrack becomes your life and never goes away? <laughs> um, I have been friends with this person in the digital sense for about 15 years. I think we shared uh, uh, many common friends in the rave scene, but. I quickly learned after uh, following him on Facebook and Twitter that he was not just a fan of the one of the biggest bands of all time, U2, but like a super fan. And I'll tell you the truth. Normally, I, I am not. I don't really understand um, the the mentality of a super fan. But when you listen to him talk and you see the passion behind what he is doing when he follows U2 around from show to show, and what his gig is at night for the net for the, like the last 10 years uh, as part of the band called acrobat which is a youtube tribute band you start to realize that there are sometimes people who do things that seem off the wall but they're actually really really special and more importantly infectious to the people around him so on that note i would like to introduce my guest today his name is mark baker mark hello 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 everybody <laughs> How are you, buddy? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm doing well. Did we ever meet in the rave scene at all? Like, I, I feel like maybe we did, but I don't remember. We have all these common friends. I'm going to name one right now because if it was anybody, it would be her. Laura Creedon. Uh, I know, you know Laura. Yeah. And we didn't, meet, we didn't meet with Laura, no. No, eh? No. We did not meet with her, but... But we hung, in the same, we hung in circles that nibbled on the edges of each other, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And I kind of came late to that scene. I came I like around 1999, specifically. Oh, I, I was one year later than that. And so, like, I finished university. I started my career as a teacher. And, uh, <laughs> again, that's another music scene that I was just all in on. All in. <laughs> what brought you into the rave scene? Um... A guy at my school talked about clubbing, and I said, "Yeah, you know, I've been out. I used to. I go out." He's like, "No, I need to take you out." Yeah. And we went out to my first club. I'll never forget it. System Soundbar. Oh my and, god, uh, dude! At the time, I was like, "Wow, you know, you." I know you're a hip hop guy, and I have to say that's a great intro. The little hip hop, oh, the, the blackball media. Uh, when I went out in the rave scene, and I saw people playing this music on vinyl. I was like, yeah, this yeah. is bananas. How, like the only, the DJ that I know is, you know, Jam Master J, you yeah. know, hip hop DJs, right? Er, you know, Eric, Eric, you know, Rakim, Eric B and Rakim, like, and yeah. so to see this happen and this blending and this mixing and, and the, you know, the sampling of different stuff and then there's trance and the techno, I will, you know, things music I love. <laughs> You know what's funny is that, um, so you say that you got there late. I got there in the year 2000. Okay. And long story short, I ended up meeting this person and I became his roommate. 
and then found out the day I was moving in that his roommate, the other, the third roommate that was there was like one of the biggest rape promoters, not just in Toronto, but in the country. So I like didn't know anything about the scene at all and landed it in the apartment of the people that were not just like in the scene, but setting trends in the scene. So the first party that I ever threw though, because I became uh, was, and that it sounds fancy. It was another, it was just a job title for a guy that was broke because we spent all our money on parties, right? Like that, that's pretty much it. <laughs> but it was at, it was at Sim Soundbar. It was DJ Scott Subs, July 5th, 2000 at uh, Sim Soundbar. Gotcha. And, and here's the thing. I felt like I needed to kick myself because I didn't discover this scene sooner. Did you have the same kind? Yeah. Did you have the same kind of vibe that I did where you're like, where did all of these genuinely nice people come from? True enough. And I remember even just driving around Toronto and seeing like, you know, the candy ravers and the fat pants and everything and not knowing where, where are these people coming from? Where, what, what? And then all of a sudden going out, going out and going, Oh, now I get it. Yeah. Now I understand. Yeah. (laughs) And now, the other part of me is I also dabble in, I more than dabble, I DJ Tech House pretty much. That's a whole yeah, other story. Uh, and you have like, you have like a whole persona going on too. Like, this is you here, right? Ah, <laughs> that's at our party summer camp years ago. I always this dress up. Uh, what does the t-shirt say? That was on the island, DJing on the island. Yep. yep. What does your shirt say? You used to be all right. It's a Radiohead shirt. It's a Radiohead shirt from oh, In Rainbows. All right, what yeah. happened? Your T-shirts are like the bomb. Um, <laughs> let's see. I have another DJ one here somewhere. Oh, this one. Your uh, your Benam Dinesh phase of DJ. Oh. <laughs> so that's another that's another party where I surprised everybody. And no way. I, <laughs> and I, I DJ a whole set as the Marshmallow Man. That is. Right? Oh, and that's not Benam Dinesh. That's the <laughs> that's Stay Puff Marshmallow yes. from Ghostbusters. Oh my God, that's so funny! I thought it was Benam Dinesh. See, I don't know. As you can see, I have no shame. As you can Bigger see, Dinesh. Yeah, that no was, shame. No, no shame. Yeah, that's supposed to be Stay Puff. Okay. Um, <laughs> got pictures from my life. <laughs> I just literally jacked all the pictures I could off your Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I did. But okay, now before I actually ask you about the YouTube stuff. Did you ever, you must have, you must have like mixed the Tiesto track or something with YouTube before, right? Like, okay, so interestingly enough, the YouTube remixes, I can honestly say, are not very good. Okay. Like yours or just in general? They're not good. They're not underground enough. They're quite mainstream, you know? Okay. They're very light. They're not really good. There was once where uh, someone had to, a bootleg version of uh, uh, Silver and Gold, a Silver and Gold from, from Rowland Hung, and it was like a tribal beat, and it sounded good, and it was mixed by uh, a DJ, Toronto DJ, and that was like, wow, I'm hearing U2 for the first time, and it sounds legit. But most of U2's, re- and then Oakenfold did Lemon, which was a big one, and there's a few other ones, but most of them, Ronnie Size did uh, uh, what's her face? Um, I always forget her name. The, the 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 Sarah McLaughlin. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh, that was that was a that was a classic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. Silence. Silence. Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah, that was a classic. Yeah. So that a lot of the YouTube remixes are not very good. Yeah, uh, I noticed that because I want because I tried to find an intro for uh, for having you on the one that I posted there on Facebook or whatever. And that is a U2 remix of something, but it was the only one I could find that didn't start immediately with some hardcore techno beat, like right out of the gate. Right? You're just like, yeah, oh they're God. not very good. They're, <laughs> no, I not. Admit they're not very good. Uh, I found uh, a track that had a little snippet of New Year's Day uh, that I played on New Year's Day at a, at, a, at a rave, at a party once, and it was good, but that's as good as it comes. I have to admit, I usually don't mix the U2 hmm. world with my... DJing world yeah well you know what that's okay um maybe they're not there's there's certain bands that like when, when tiesto mixed radiohead yes. everyone lost their mind i didn't like it yeah yeah i thought it was too it wasn't symmetrical 
you know, like the, the, the beat, the, the music didn't mix well together. Like it, it was confusing to me. And I thought the idea was good. I, I like it when people take risks like that, but I just, you know, it wasn't something that really hit. So maybe there's certain musicians like that, like Coldplay. It seems like one of those bands that you wouldn't want to mix. Yeah. Like, there was a clocks remix that everyone played. And right. then everyone started remixing clocks at that time. I mean, I like to be a little harder edge when it comes to playing on the decks. And so not to knock anyone who plays trance or anyone who plays that style. It's just not my thing. I like to come on, yeah. the, hit the dance to, floor and hit it hard. You went to milk parties, right? Is, I did. I yeah. did. So did I. Yeah, the milk parties yeah, were great. Yeah. They were, they, especially the ones that they threw at the, um, what is that outdoor venue there in the West End? Sunnyside. Yeah. Oh. Sunnyside. So great. Sunnyside Pavilion, which is still operating as a venue like that still. Really? They still have parties there, yeah. It's been a long time since I've been to a party. I used to go to the Cherry Beach parties all the time on yep. Sundays. Yeah. Yep. Cherry Be- I was supposed to play Cherry Beach this summer. Really? Oh. Yes. And I was uh, in a great spot before the headliner everything i spent like weeks agonizing over my tracks and whatever and then there was a big thunderstorm warning and they didn't uh, bother doing the show because it would have been yeah. anyway um and, and one last thing before we move on to the youtube stuff is that i couldn't find the t-shirt but it it always used to kill me because i used to see you posted it you would post it like once a year once in a while or someone would comment on it or something and it was a t-shirt that says i am not carl cox Yes. Which is just a famous house DJ, which is hilarious to me because I can imagine how many people when you're sitting, especially because you had glasses like that too, didn't you? I did have, when I was raving, I did have some black square glasses yeah. and I would go out and I even go, you know, go out to see Carl Cox and I'd have people come up to me and go, how are you there? But also up there. Yeah. How are you Carl Cox? I'm like, Carl Cox is right there. So there was a point in time where I would actually go go around and like, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. Oh, you're welcome tonight, Toronto. Oh yeah. So funny. I'm not Carl Cox. You could have been like the decoy, you know, in case <laughs> Carl had to like, break out. Amsterdam waiting for a club. Are you Carl Cox? I went to Argentina going inside of a club and people are like, are you Carl Cox? Did like, you ever say yes? Did you ever <laughs> no. say yes? You know, no. despite despite your light racism, yes, yes, I am Carl Cox. No, I'm not. <laughs> give me Carl a table. Cox. I'm not Carl Cox. That's okay. I used to get Moby. <laughs> I did because I wear glasses. I'm short, and I actually impersonated him once because um, I wanted to see if we could like start a uh, an internet rumor because this is like back in 2001 or something. And so I went to like a, a restaurant and I had a photographer or a friend taking pictures of me, follow me and like a person with like a clipboard to make it look like I had some sort of weird entourage. And they let us in and, and they gave us a table and everything. And uh, I knew he was a vegan. So I started ordering like steak and stuff like that. And I got <laughs> these pictures taken and I just wanted to see if I could start a false rumor about Moby being a vegan hypocrite and actually eating steak. It didn't work, but we got comp the food, right? So it was yeah. a free- <laughs> It was a free meal. Oh, wow. It was okay. Ah, they can afford it. The Royal of York. Oh, goodness. Okay. How old were you? And At the beginning, I was talking about how the, the whole soundtrack of our lives thing. And I, and I was just wondering, did you two come into your life at a time when you were, like, coming of age? What was it that made you stick to it so um, – with such – gusto and discipline like where 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 you just became like the the super fan or whatever you want to call it that you okay. are today mm. so the story kind of goes um you know i was a big hip-hop head right oh am i still yep. on no yeah, i'm oh. still here yeah <laughs> uh, i was a big hip-hop head all my life hip-hop but i was also you know that 80s child with with much music and chum fm and all that stuff so, of course, I saw the videos from YouTube and everything. But, you know, back in high school, you had to be a certain way. You had to be, you know, you had to stay in one lane. And hip-hop was my thing. Um, my good friend, Terry Chadwick, he was fully into YouTube. And I thought they were good. I thought they were cool. They were amazing. I remember, I think I went to the library and got Joshua Tree. And I listened to it on cassette you know, because I want to listen to all kinds of music. And um, pretty much 
we were 16 at the time and I got drunk for the first oh. time. Was it Southern like, Comfort? Because it's always Southern Comfort. <laughs> no, it was like no. <laughs> German homemade wine. Oh, Jesus and, Christ. Yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> and he, he, he took the Walkman and he said, listen to this. And he put on Running to Stand Still. And I remember going, oh, snap. This is something. These dudes, these dudes got, these, this is, they got some passion. I, I, just, I just found out you listened to Bismarck Key too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. And you used, to have a, you used to have a BDP shirt that I used to go, I, oh, man, he's got a BDP I, shirt. I still have it, yeah. <laughs> and then I, my eyes were open, but I still didn't go to the other side. I still wasn't, like, committed. And then what happened was um, before 90, 91, they started, you know, they, YouTube did the reinvention and Zoo TV. And what happened was I remember reading in the paper that Public Enemy, who, who I used to adore. That was my first concert. Pub, <laughs> Public yeah. Enemy yeah. opened for U2 on the Zoo wow. TV tour. Wow. And right then I was just like, if these worlds can collide then surely I can like whichever artist I want to without, without scrutiny. I was, you know, you're worried about being scrutinized and whatnot. And so by now I'm in university and I'm like, I need to go see them. And so I saw them at Maple Leaf Gardens, my first show, 1992, by that time. I was just a second year, first year university, first year university, second year maybe. And my eyes were opened. TV was a big production. Yeah. And right there, I was like, there's no need to pick teams about black and white. And I like this music and I can't listen to this music. I was just, I'm going to follow these dudes, whatever they play. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that was it. Eh? Like TV was probably, you know, that, that show set the standard for shows onwards. Right. Zoo TV, uh, U2 put all their money into the show at that time, only made pretty much money on the merch. And it was a spectacle that the world had never seen. And that's when they, you know, they ditched the, the, uh, the, the, the clothes from, from Joshua Tree, the pilgrimage looking look. Yeah. To, yeah. To the, 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 the goth hobo look or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what I say. It's like, like the edge, the edge yeah. back then. Edge looked like, you know. <laughs> It looked, it looked like, like he was about to hop on a train, you know, start running beside a train. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so he, they ditched all that. Bono had the leather pants, the the black glasses. I was I was going to bring the black glasses. The yeah. black glasses, the the personas, the change, the everything was just explosive. And I was that was the Rattle and Hum tour. Uh, no, the Zoo TV tour. Okay, so was that Zoo was TV. that after? That Rattle and Hum tour? Yeah, so after Rattle and Hum, they, okay. this is for Octane Baby, for their, their second biggest album. Right. Octane Baby was the two, was the album. Zoo TV was the tour. Did you watch right. the Defiant ones when they talked about Jimmy Iovine's role in producing YouTube? Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet. Everyone says oh. I need to see it. Well, I'm so surprised it. that you haven't seen it. Yeah, you should watch it. It's really interesting. Um, you know, it's it's it gives you an idea of like, the willingness that uh, a, a person like Bono would have, or, and you know, a big band like U2 would have to listen to this guy who had a track record, but I mean, you know, at the time it was, you know, he, he had produced like a Springsteen album and a couple other things, but that was sort of like, it, it ran him ragged. He went on tour with them and he was like, these guys have so much energy they rehearse for six hours on the same day that they'll play. You know, like they won't stop. But what he said was, if I'm remembering correctly, that it makes them susceptible to good advice as well. Because if you're working that hard, you know, you're you're open to, to other things and, and to making you a better artist. So I just thought it was interesting. I'm so surprised you haven't seen The Defiant. I haven't ones, seen it. I should It's amazing. Because you like hip-hop too. And it's all about Jimmy I, I Iveen. Know, yeah. I know Iveen does hip-hop as well. Yeah, it was uh, Dre and Eminem and everything. So it was cool. So I go see other bands. I do see a lot of bands being a musician and being a person who loves music. I go see a lot of bands, but U2, a U2 show sets the standard of technology 
of everything. Every time they, they tour, there's something that's never been done before or technology that's never been done. I see someone in the chat put also NIN. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct, Jen. Absolutely correct. That's the other band who I used to be afraid of. I used to be afraid of trying to oh, used to scare me a bit. But then I started going to the shows and going, oh, if Bono sees what Trent's doing now. Oh, if Trent sees what Bono's doing now. Oh. <laughs> anyway, 51 shows of you two later. Uh, I'm a full-fledged fanatic for them. 51 shows. I have. Wow. I have. And so... You know, my shtick is basically long, long ago, um, after seeing these shows so many times and seeing people getting pulled up on stage, people getting pulled up. Oh, this girl dressed up as a belly dancer today. Bono's picking her up. Oh, this guy could play guitar. Bono's choosing him. I was like, how can I? get chosen <laughs> i sound like that's not psychotic and, and you're just wow. but you're also this formidable big dude like you're not you know what i mean like but you're like how can i get chosen and you're just mad you're like a football player and, <laughs> and let's the out it's not an elephant in the room i'm usually the black guy in the front row so Bono would give me props. And you're not security, right? <laughs> That's right. So Bono would give me props. He would look at me. He would point. All kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. And so I started going with signs, right? Larry, can I have your sticks? I'm a blessed fan, blah, blah, blah. And then one day I just got this idea from the Zoo TV tour because Bono had lots of characters, right? There's the fly with the black glasses. I got the black glasses here. With the black glasses, right? You've seen the Bono glasses, the fly is a character, right? You had the horns as McFisto, the retired, um, the retired, and a white white face, a retired. I I don't remember the horns. No. The white, the red horns. And he had a character called the Mirrorball Man. Uh. And the Mirrorball Man wore silver, and he was like a TV evangelist. Like right. cowboy hat. So when I met Bono after meeting him a few times, I said to him, listen, I'm going to start to come to the shows dressed up. And I, sh- I should rewind a little bit. I want a car, right? I want a car yeah. from, ironically, from CFNY, Alan Cross, and Dean Bumdell spun the wheel. And I actually want a car. And it was, so when it was I actually Alan car, Cross that spun the wheel. And Dean Blundell was on the mic. I just watched that too. Correct. Yeah. And so when I won the car, everybody who I know knew had a U2 license plate of some sort. U2 fan, U2 rocks, U2 this, U2 that. So I asked my wife, I'm like, I want to have a U2 license plate that will reflect my fandom. So we brainstormed for a few days for the new car and we came up with U2 brother. Yeah. Not YouTube brother with an A, YouTube no. B-R-O-T-H-R. So us whiteys could say it properly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. So, so what I, we had to like, she had to, she, she, she applied for it, but she had to like write that, you know, there's nothing racial in this. There's nothing, you know, in order to, for it to be accepted. And it got accepted. And so I got it. So I started going to the shows just with the plate first. Yeah. And Bono would see the plate, blah, 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 blah. And then I told him, I'm going to start dressing up as the Mirrorball Man. And he, I remember him looking <laughs> That's a at funny him. part in the documentary, if I can just interject for a second, because yeah. um, your wife, who seems really lovely, Jocelyn, was that her name? Jocelyn, yes. Jocelyn, yeah. So she's... Uh, <laughs> She's she she comes downstairs at this one point, and I'm going to send the link of the documentary in in the, in the chat a little bit later. But um, you're you're sitting there with like a construction helmet, right? And and all these little tiny mosaic pieces of glass, and and you got like you stuck on like three, and she's just like, "What the fuck are you doing?" It's like <laughs> you're like, "I'm making a fucking miracle," whatever. And then she comes down the next morning, and you're just like all crashed out on the couch, and she's like, "Mark didn't come to bed last night," and. She she looks at the, on the coffee table and the mirror ball hat is completely done. And she's like, I can't fucking believe he finished it. Like, holy shit. So I went with this mirror ball hat and his mirror ball suit. And so Bono started seeing me. 
Don't get yeah. me wrong. Getting dressed up to go to a YouTube show, the first few times was kind of weird, right? People were like, "Oh, look at this guy." Oh, <laughs> but I just started going. Yeah. I, I got. I actually look brought at, the hat. What happened to Carl Cox? Look at him. He's <laughs> he's wearing a Mirabal hat. <laughs> I brought the hat. Yeah. Right there it is. So I made this disco ball hat, right? You see, and then if you is... ever got divorced, you could be a stripper like that. <laughs> oh, I, got a, like... I, I got another story about this hat. Okay, please. I got another story about this hat. And so I started going my license plate. This is like fake license plate, but I used to take my yeah. real license plate. And you know, it's like I'm like I'm like, like flavor flave, but YouTube yeah. flavor flave. I'm the YouTube flavor flave. So I started going all dressed up in silver. And so I started getting noticed. And then, of course, the movie, the movie, no one's made a fan documentary about one of the world's biggest fans. And so people started to see it and people started to talk about it. And people started to say, this guy's crazy and whatever. And then it just started to sky, uh, you know, tumbleweed, whatever, just snowball, snowball. And then Montreal 2015, I go to the show. Uh, they finally come to Montreal and I'm waiting in the meet and greet line because Bono's going to show up <laughs> yeah. and pretty much um, Bono's bodyguard goes, where have you been? We, we've been waiting for you. I'm like, what? He goes, I'm going to text Bono and let him know you're here. And that night in Montreal, Bono chooses me, finally get my time to get going on stage. I'm about to climb over Bono's hands up. And one of the serious security guards whose back is to the whole action is trying yeah. to stop me. Oh. And then YouTube security is like, no, 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 no. Let yeah. him up, let him up. And then I get up on stage and while I'm on stage, Bono's like giving me this motion, like catch me. I'm like, what? And jumps into my arms. And here I am cradling Bono and I kind of do a rocking motion. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I got this other picture of, you know, I got the one of him on my car. And then here I am picking up Bono at a show. Yeah. Uh, look at that. Like, like Bono's not very big, though, is he? He's not a very big man, no. No. How yeah. big are you? How tall are you? I'm like five, nine and a little bit. Okay. I thought you were taller than that, but he looks like he's like five, six or something. And he wears, he wears some, some platforms as well. I saw in the clips yeah. that I was watching, I was like, Oh, he's yeah, he got, was... yeah. What do they call They're called something in, uh, in showbiz, like it lifts, right? Yeah. He wears lifts, Yeah, but I'm on stage. Boo, boo, boo. When the show was over. Well, hold on. Wait, wait, hold that you... thought. Hold that thought. Okay. Cause I want to, I want to play this. awesome by the way jesus thank christ you, like you. like imagine you, you're so lucky you didn't drop him because you, you know, so, like you're so excited so, i gotta give you this comment too. so what's funny is one of my non-youtube friends he's yeah. like dude if you dropped bono that night you would have set back black white relations in this country 200 years 
That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I don't think so, man. I don't think so. That would just that's just all part of reparations. You can drop on it. It's fine. <laughs> and then my line is, how can I if you have a million dollars in your hand, a multi-million dollars in your hand, are you gonna drop it? No. <laughs> no. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. So after I was done, each one of the members of YouTube has their own bodyguard who oh. when they're on stage they're so bono has a bodyguard that follows them around edge each one of them has their own bodyguards of course when you go and you see them that often they know who you are right they yeah. know who you are whatever so after the show was over all four of them break what they're doing and they're like in the, and they got the strongest irish accents i just want you to know that was fucking brilliant i've never you you are the best fan we've ever had. Of, that was, like all of them, their, their minds were all blown. Really? Yeah. Now that's comedy. interesting. Did, did, sorry, did you say that he asked you to pick you pick him up or to catch yeah, him? He, he gave me a nod. He gave me a nod, like lift me up, up, up. That's so uh, funny. What? Hold me. <laughs> <laughs> so me. when my <laughs> wife shows that picture of yeah. me carrying him, she's like. Yeah. Man, how how lucky are you to have a wife who's like who's cool with this or seems cool with this? Anyway, it's like you I know. just celebrated my fiftieth birthday, and my uh, wife has been so good in dealing with this. But that happened that happened in twenty fifteen. But just in twenty twenty two, she finally said, "Do you think it's easy being married to you two, brother? Do you think it's, do you think it's easy being married?" you two brother <laughs> like all of a sudden everything i've seen of her has been so serene yeah she's just been like i'm tired of playing nice <laughs> anyway so that was 2015 mm-hmm. fast forward now to gabriel my singer he's yeah. like dude the band loves you oh my gosh listen i got an idea so gabe had an idea that we go to the toronto show and we bring the whole band we bring all of mm acrobat to yep. toronto acrobat is the youtube tribute band that you've like, been playing with for about 10 years yeah right and i'm adam with the tan uh i actually avoided i play bass i actually avoided playing any big biggest fan as i am i, I avoided playing youtube bass because i was always like adam does it better i actually flea was my idol i just was not into playing youtube bass and then gabe was like you are a huge fan. You you need to know these lines. I want you to join my band. And I was like, well, we're not just a cover band. A tribute band are people who like kind of look like the band, right? Because Gabe looks like looks like Bono. And I was kind of like, did you forget, man? I'm I'm black. I'm not I'm not a white Adam Clayton. And he's like, I don't care. Join the band. So I did. He had the idea. He had the idea that we go to the show and let Bono know we're going as a band. Maybe he'll pull our band up in Toronto. Mm. There's a segue where he pulls the guitarist. Toronto, 2015. Bono pulls my whole band on stage, and we all take U2's instruments and we play Desire. Wow! And that, yeah, that was. Beyond my wildest dreams, beyond anything. So that happened. 
then fast forward a little more, go to New York City. And, you know, people are like, Bono keeps pulling up this black guy all the time. He pulls, <laughs> keeps on. I'm trying to like now somebody else. The white natives are getting restless. <laughs> yeah. What, what is going somebody on else here? needs to get a chance. Well, we go to New York City and Bono sees me. And all of a sudden, I'm on stage with him again at Madison Square Gardens. What? I know. What? And now. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah. And so now it's to the point where my friends, even my wife is like, what is going on? So we ended up just, I, you know, there was, there were some shows. They were overseas at this point. I think I went to Dublin cause I wanted to make that trip to see them in yeah. Dublin. But while I'm in Dublin, they have a contest on youtube.com. And it's like all the people we've brought up on stage for this whole tour. Oh. If you want to relive your moment, you can relive your moment in Paris. Yeah, and there the you picture, go. Winning entry right there. The picture <laughs> they put is my face on stage on YouTube.com. So I'm like, I have a feeling I'm going. I have yeah. a feeling I'm going. Well, and, they just um, used they, they, well. They, oh, that's weird because they used you as like to promote the contest. Correct. Correct. But oh, what I read, okay. okay. So so what happened was everyone's name got listed. You were supposed to vote. Blah 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 blah. And uh, I should mention too, my wife speaks French. And she's yeah. always wanted to go to Paris. She's oh. always wanted to go to Paris. Now who French. loves Bono? And I said, <laughs> exactly. I said, look at this. My dreams are now making your dreams come true. Look yeah. at this. <laughs> look at this. You put up with this. That's no. so funny. All of a sudden, uh, dude, me and wifey are going to Paris. What? And... You know, we sign all these disclosure documents. They're filming this thing for HBO. And what's happening is uh, I'm on the plane. I'm going to Montreal first. The whole YouTube community knows I am going to Paris. Mm -hmm. Please, sir, can you turn off your cell phone? My phone, I see a few texts. I shut off the phone. We're flying. We land in Montreal. I turn on my text on my phone. The amount of texts I got, what happened was that was the same night as the battle clan shoot up the terrorist attack. Oh, oh the Paris, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the shot the club. Attacks. Yeah. And the, the cafes the, and everything. Mm-hmm. The the eagles of metal, the death, what's it called? Oh, death eagles from above? Death metal. Oh, eagles of death metal. Sorry. Yeah. Is that what it is? Eagles? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. They their show got shot up. People died. The YouTube yeah. people call me. They're like, don't come to don't come to Paris. The show's off. Don't come to Paris. And we were like, oh my gosh. So we went yeah. back. We stayed in Montreal. We were flown back home. We watched all the sadness on the news. And then a few weeks later, they're like, We're gonna do the show again. Are you willing to come to Paris? I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> so we fly to Paris. And so me and nine other people who I realized now were specifically chosen. We chose a little boy, gorgeous Italian oh. woman, uh, uh, yeah. you know, another gorgeous woman from Holland. They chose, you know, a, a guy, Paul from Spain, who's got covered in YouTube tattoos. And so oh. we, all nine of us were on stage and I'm immortalized on the HBO. And so was, did they pick a winner out of those people or is everyone? Well, all, all nine of those people went on stage at the same okay. time. And so after the shows, have you ever hung out with with the band at all? Never, like, is that because I, I feel really weird to 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 imagine you going on stage in Toronto, going on stage in New York, and then a year later being outside the concert trying to get Bono to sign a picture? Like that seems weird to me. That seems I've like never hung out with them. So that that's no. the other weird thing. People think like Bono came to do his book tour, so mm. people think that Bono and I are text friends. We're no. not. We're yeah. not. I mean, I do have talked to his bodyguard, but I, we're not. Fr- we're not text friends. We don't hang out. No, yeah. that doesn't happen. I'm not that privileged. Well, he'd friends. be lucky to have you. Seriously, like, I mean, you know, th- that's it, it's it, it's interesting because I am one of those people that I don't get starstruck. Right. <clears throat> it's, it's happened to me once in my life, but he was just so charming and good looking that it was hard not to have a, a, a starstruck moment with Matt Damon. Plus, yes. I just saved his entire family from being bothered by really rowdy people. And so he looked at me like, 
thanks, man. And inside my head, I was like, melt. <laughs> yeah. So, so I get, but, but you know what I mean? Like, but it doesn't feel like you don't feel like the kind of, um, like, I, I don't see you as being, look, this guy doesn't, this guy is not starstruck. This guy right here, the guy holding Bono, that, that guy is not starstruck. There's a different level of, of, it's a different type of fandom that you seem to bring to this, which is like respect for the music. It seems like you are, um, you know, you're, you're not, you're not paying homage, but you are, you, you, you just sort of have that like admiration for the music itself that you just let it translate in the way that you relate to the fan, to the, I, I will admit that usually in the times past when I'm meeting Bono, I actually rehearse what I'm going to say. I have a shtick. I, yeah. I rehearse so I don't get tongue tied. And right. I went down to the book tour, which was fantastic. The book tour for his book, Surrender. And I went down there and what happened was, oh, I should mention in the book, there's a snippet about me, a little snippet what? about me. And in it, it's loose, but he talks about Montreal 2015. And he says, why would a 60 year old, that's him. Why would an almost 60 year old man run and jump into the arms of a big strong lad or lass and have them carry me across the stage? The reason is it's a, it's a symbol of, what do you say? It's a symbol that our fans have been carrying us for the last 40 years. Yeah. So I wanted wow. to see something about that when I saw him in Toronto on Sunday. And I was like, oh, Bono, what's up? And he was like, look at you. Look at you. Look at you. And I got all. And then when he did his show, he mentioned was outside and i think i saw the mirror ball man so i get i've gotten props along the way yeah i mean we're not going to be buddies he yeah, yeah i'm just a fan he he knows that i'm not crazy he knows that i don't cross the line he knows yeah they know that i'm just a good fan and that's it and i'm not a bigger bigger fan than anybody else because i kind of direct people when they call tell me they're like how can i meet the band i'm like well before they come, you should wait here. Or after the show, you should wait here. I, you know, have right. this prepared. Like I try and help other fans as well. So you don't ever misdirect, so that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's going to be over on the east end of the Air Canada Center, just uh, right near the garbage cans. That's right. <laughs> I've never done that, but yeah. but uh, no, I've never done that. I should mention too, because mm -hmm. I I will forget and. People will be upset, but my band is playing at Lee's oh, Palace oh. on Sunday, November twentieth. Sunday, Lee's November twentieth, Lee's Palace Acrobat YouTube uh, tribute band. Do you guys have an opening act as well? We do. It's uh, Gabe's daughter. Gabe's daughter, the singer, mm -hmm. the lead singer's yep. daughter. She sings, and she has. She's you know very cool, very sultry, sultry, amazing voice. And uh, she's going to be singing ahead of uh, her beforehand. That's so we have an opening act and uh, we play Lee's Palace on the 20th of November. Well, that's going to be dope. Um, Mark Baker, listen, thank you for coming, man. I really appreciate this. I, I, I love watching like once a year you, you, you go on like a YouTube sort of rampage on, on your page. I don't know if you're celebrating the anniversary of, of this. Or... It's the book. The book is out. I'm okay. like plugging, I'm plugging the book. The book yeah. is out, and Debono was just in town. Right? Okay, that's what it was. Debono yeah. was just in town, and so now, you know, everything is all Bono, Bono, Bono right now. But right. Um, and your wife is like, I mean, yes, <laughs> that's right. I got up in the morning. My wife's like, "Look at you! It's like Christmas morning. You've been, you've been. I'm a school teacher by day, so yeah, yeah. starting, you know." you know september you kind of go through the motions and everything and she's like in november you know the cold is coming and she's like look at you in november bouncing out of bed because your boy is in town <laughs> that's so funny maybe you want to go to paris with bono instead yeah that's right oh uh, well listen it was band, really happy. It's, it's, sorry you were gonna say i'm just gonna say the band has given there's the music and then there's the, the fandom. But to be honest with you, the people, the community is so tight and good that it just, there, there's so, much, so many, I met so many great people yeah. through the travels of traveling and seeing the band as well.
And look, as as just a bookend, um, where where I started, you had a dream and yes. you made it come true. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. not a lot of people that do that. You know? I know, right? I well, know. I'm you know, so like, I, I don't. I've been trying to figure out uh, what I believe in, right? Because I I don't believe in God, but I you know, and when people talk about the universe, I get a little cringy a bit sometimes. But at least what I can see here, even though I don't know how to define it, is that you had a dream. You're you're a very positive person. And the dream manifested probably because you're a very positive person. I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's synchronicity right. or the universe or whatever you want to call it, but it, it works there's, for me. There's, like there's I was, karma. There's some karma. There's some karma, maybe if that's if there's if that's true. But my wife was also like, "You've put the time in over the years, and you sort of willed it to happen in the nicest way possible. You weren't an a hole about it." You weren't stepping over and being mean to people about it. You just right. did it your own way and it came to fruition like it should have, I guess. That's uh, right. My friend Ben Cormier, who's, he hates you too, but he was he's like, hilarious in the documentary. Yes, the yes. And he's yeah. the protagonist. He busts your balls all the time about being a super fan, right? Like, yeah, he's the protagonist. And he's like, I kind of do want it to happen for Mark because, you know, it would make him so happy and that he's good people. And I thought I was, I, I thought that was a really nice thing to say, but uh, mm. yeah. Well, listen, um, I enjoyed it. I, I think everyone should go watch the documentary. Actually, I think I should pull it up. Um, it's, it's, it's so old now. I can't get over how, like <laughs> what, what it was made. It's so old now. It was made in, when was it made? I don't know. I can't remember. I think I might've been in my late thirties. It says eight years ago. Is it eight years ago? Or maybe that's when it was posted. Yeah, yeah, four yeah, that, that may be right. That might be right. Yeah, yeah that might be right. Well, it's it, it it's it's I think it's charming. I, I like I like how you're you uh you included your I, Alan Cross basically hosts it, right? Yes, he, yes. You know, um he was the uh program that's so funny because I work for Dean Blundell. Uh, yes. and he was the radio DJ who was calling it while while uh Alan Cross was spinning the wheel, right? Correct. So that was kind of interesting. Correct. And um, yeah, and that was, uh, but it's really charming because it's just, your friends are on it and your friends like Ben, is that his name, Ben? Ben Cormier, yeah. Ben. Yeah, he's he's busting, he's like, I've been making fun of my friend Mark for being a super rabid U2 fan forever and I well, won't stop. Like, forever, you know? forever. Yeah. Oh, uh, my, my bandmates say 2010, 2010. 2010. Was... When it was made, yeah, probably yeah, around so that. Twelve years ago, wow, that's yeah. great. So you were thirty-eight ish. Yeah, yeah. now I'm fifty, bro. And yes. I, I'm not gonna lie, I've watched the movie now. Like I've watched it, gone back and looked at parts, and gone, oh fuck, I'm tired. Oh, I'm tired. <laughs> Holy cow, I'm so tired. I'm yeah. tired watching this. <laughs> Someone give me some hot milk, quick. <laughs> Where are my slippers? Where are my yeah. slippers? Do, do I need to set an appointment with the chiropodist? <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, it's just something. Anyway. Yeah. It's all good. Um, so November 20th, Lee's Palace, Acrobat is playing. And um, and go see Mark perform. Um, listen, I, I, I really enjoy talking to you. Let's have you back. If you become a super fan for another band, will you come back? Of course. <laughs> I'll course have you back anytime back. you want, brother. All right. Thanks, Mark. Mark Baker, You're everybody. You're welcome. Bye, everybody. Um, that was fun. I needed that one. Um, infectious, eh? That guy's positivity. I, again, I don't know him in the flesh, but he is... Uh, you could just tell when uh, when I met him on social media 15 years ago through various mutual friends or whatever, and uh, you know I started noticing the things that he was posting. He's one of those dudes that you can't imagine without a big smile on his face. And again, I don't know him; uh, I've never met him, but you can just you get that vibe. And so, um, yeah, that was fun. I needed that before I uh, I went away on the weekend, and now I have a little cast, a little uh, stowaway here. My daughter should be sleeping, but she's sitting right here. Why are you awake? Oh, because her brother's being mean. Well, um, <clears throat> I guess we'll uh, we'll go pretend that that's true. Okay, we'll uh, we'll put you back to bed. Um, next week. Oh, I'm so excited! Actually, I I don't know which day it's going to be yet, but any of you hip hop, uh, any of you are, if any of you are hip hop fans, 
especially from the 90s, DaCosta, I'm looking at you. Um, I have Chip Foo from the Fooshnickens um, next week. It looks like Tuesday, but it could be Wednesday. Wow. I don't know if you guys remember the Fooshnickens. Ring the alarm. Come on, guys. It, it's it's uh, he, he was like the fastest rapper that ever existed when he came out. And uh, it's still pretty impressive. So I can't wait for that. And we will see you then on Blackballed. Good night, everybody. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirtbags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.